are listening to One More Time, a podcast sponsored by Illinois Bands. I am Sean Smith, the executive producer for the show. This episode is titled The Games We Play. We're sorry it's coming out a little bit later than we hoped, but due to a couple of unforeseen circumstances, we had to delay the release slightly. One of these reasons was because on the day that we were supposed to record the episode, I was asked to fill in as a guest conductor. I would like to thank the 29th Annual Festival of Bands in Montgomery, Indiana, and it was a terrific experience, and I told the students there that I would give them a shout out in this podcast, so here that is. Sadly, on the same day that I was out, we learned that Illinois Bands was informed of the loss of former Marching Illini and concert band trumpet player Dominic Jackson. The staff of One More Time, being predominantly trumpet players in the Marching Illini, knew him well. We would like to dedicate this episode to him, which is particularly fitting since most of us knew him through athletic bands. Due to my absence, we did have the opportunity to bring in a guest host for this episode. On a moment's notice, Daniel Dresser, a clarinet player with Illinois Bands, was able to fill in for me as the host of the episode. I think you will find his voice a dramatic upgrade from my own, and we will be sure to bring him back often to host episodes. You will hear from me on and off throughout this episode, but Daniel's really running the show today. Take it away, Daniel. Welcome back to One More Time, and thank you for joining us for our second episode. We heard a lot of tremendous feedback from our first edition. Please keep the comments coming. It'll only help us to make each month's show better. Today, we are all very excited to present to you an episode dedicated to a discussion of the relationship between athletics and bands. My name is Daniel Dresser, and I'm a freshman in music education at the University of Illinois. Before we launch into the episode, I want to ask you a favor. If you get this podcast on iTunes, please take a second and give us a rating or a comment. We want to know that you are listening and hopefully enjoying the podcast. If you get this from our website, there's a comment section below that we hope you'll use and join in on the conversation. Also, if you have news from anything in the band world that we happen to not know about, please let us know and we'll try to cover it in our next episode. And finally, we are looking for your help. We do cast a wide net for our shows looking for diverse people and stories, but we want our listeners to get involved. We will soon be producing two episodes that we hope our listeners will have some insight into. The first is our February episode called Band Love. We will be looking at relationships that are formed by band and the stories that go along with them. They can be happy or not so happy endings, cases of misunderstandings or young love. We want to hear them all. The second episode we are looking for some input on is the March episode, which will be all about women in bands. This can either be the stories of conductors, teachers, and musicians, and their activities, trials, and tribulations in this world. If you have a story to share, we want to hear it. To be part of these episodes, send an email to us at bands at illinois.edu. We would love to hear from you and utilize your insight. As we record this, the 2017 World Series just finished a thrilling fifth game. It took five hours and 17 minutes to complete and ended at 1.45 a.m. in the 10th inning. Now imagine there was a band playing between innings. As a Cubs fan, I would love to hear a group of winds and percussion play Go Cubs Go as the crowd sang along at Wrigley. We don't typically connect baseball and band, but it was relatively common in the previous century. This week, Scott Schwartz, director of the Sousa Archive and Center for American Music, will be talking about Sousa, his band, and baseball. Sounds like wonderful music to be played at a World Series game. Don't you think, folks? I do. We have Game 3, 
between the Los Angeles Dodgers, the National League, and the Houston Astros that are playing the American League. Music is America's pastime. So is baseball. Music and baseball have played an integral role in the life and culture of America for nearly two and a quarter centuries. But it was not until the late 19th and early 20th century when the two forms of popular entertainment became fully entwined as the country's greatest pastimes. One of the earliest references to baseball in the United States can be found in a 1791 Pittsfield, Massachusetts ordinance banning the playing of the game within 80 yards of the town meeting house. And in 1876, the National Baseball League was formalized. And not too long after that, in 1901, the American Baseball League, what was referred to as the Beer and Whiskey League, because they allowed beer and whiskey to be sold during the games, became the American League. And two years later, they played their first World Series. Sousa built his music ensemble and its exceptional reputation around America's greatest musician. At the same time, the heyday of early professional baseball centered on the strategic infield play of the country's greatest pitchers, batters, and base stealers. While Sousa's band dominated America's musical attention, Connie Mack's Philadelphia Athletics and John McGraw's New York Giants ruled the baseball world during these years and were considered by Sousa to be the greatest teams of all time. John Philip Sousa considered baseball America's greatest sport. His world-renowned Sousa band also served as his baseball team whenever they were given opportunities to play other community baseball teams while on many of their concert tours. On July 4, 1900, the Sousa Band, taking a day off from performances at the Paris Exposition, played what is believed to be the first game of American-style baseball in Europe against the American Guards on Paris's Bagatelle Field. Sousa remarked after the game, what could have been more appropriate for two American organizations in a foreign land to do on this glorious 4th of July? In an article about Sousa's June 1908 baseball game held at Philadelphia's Willow Grove, where the Sousa Band played against the United States Marine Corps Band, a reporter wrote the following. If Connie Mack could have witnessed the game of baseball yesterday morning, he would have been tempted to make John Philip Sousa an offer. When umpire Schlotterbeck shouted, Play ball! The versatile athlete, musician, composer, author cast an eagle eye over the field. Then he spat on a new ball, threw his right leg around in front of the left, raised his arm above his head, lunged forward, and the umpire said, strike one. 
Suffice it to say, Hopkins' fame. The March King proved a wonder in the pitcher's box, and although he lasted but one inning, he retired Lieutenant O'Leary's Colts in one, two, three order. Then Mr. Sousa retired to the coaching line where he gave an imitation of Arlie Latham that caused the spectators to howl with delight. The March Three Strikes Two Step was dedicated to the Sousa Band baseball team for which A.W. Bauer played in during his tenure with the band in 1902. Sousa wrote the National Game March upon the request of the baseball's High Commissioner Judge Kennesaw Mount Landis in 1925. Landis wanted Sousa to write a march to celebrate the National League's 50th anniversary. And Sousa was all too happy to comply because baseball was his game. So let us take a moment to enjoy the national game played by U.S. The relationship between athletic departments and bands is sometimes tenuous at best. The band can be the 12th person on the field at a football game or the 6th person on the court during a basketball game. Bands can have tremendous impact, or little impact, based on how the band director chooses to have the musicians interact with the crowd and the team. That impact is also based on the value administrators and coaches place on the teams. The story in this episode was produced by Stephen Cohn, who spoke with Josh Whitman, the director of athletics at Illinois, Barry Hauser, the director of athletic bands at Illinois, Betsy McCann, the director of athletic bands at Minnesota, and Quinton Breach, a member of the Marching Illini. I think the Marching Illini is incredibly important to our overall athletic experience. That is University of Illinois Director of Athletics, Josh Whitman. I, I really am such a believer in uh, but the power of our athletic program to influence uh, people's lives, to, to enhance the experience of our undergraduate students, to bring our community together, to enhance the reputation of uh, the University of Illinois, and, and the marching Illini have a lot to do with that. An athletic director at a major college sports program typically does not feel this way toward the school's marching band. Director of the Marching Illini, Barry Hauser, says, however, that a strong relationship between the athletic department and marching band, as seen at Illinois, can make a huge positive difference in the experience of the band's students. Whether our students realize it or not, um, what we've been able to do, even just in the time frame that I've been here, this is my seventh year now, um, we've exponentially changed 
what our students' experience is like. Our students used to have to pay for every single item, and so we've tried to treat our students a lot more like athletics treats their athletes. But I remember a time where our students would have to pay for any t-shirt that they would receive and things like that. Whitman says that the first step to any good partnership between athletic department and marching band is strong communication. Communication and visibility is really important. I, I do meet with Barry regularly. We're in great contact. It's been a really strong partnership from the beginning. I, I, I think that from the, the first conversation, I expressed a, a very strong interest in the band and, and a, a thankfulness for what the band does. It's a lot of time that the band puts in, and we never want to take that for granted. They, they really go above and beyond, especially in, in our case, with so few of the band members actually being music students. They're, they're in so many different majors, and uh, for them to put the, the time that they do above and beyond their studies into making the band such a fantastic uh, organization is, is pretty special. Band directors like Hauser are also able to reap the benefits from a strong relationship with an athletic department. He says he has been working directly with athletics since he was a high school director in Indiana. I think for, for most, it just comes down to communication. Um, you know, one of the first things I did when arriving there in Indiana, I walked into the athletic director's office and just said, what can we do for you? And he said, I've never had a band director come into my office before. And I said, well, uh, did I do something wrong? Um, and he said, no, no, this is great. So again, that established a great connection and a great relationship. Um, when it comes to working with college athletics, there's kind of naturally an expectation that you're gonna be at a lot of athletic events but it's just how you work with them. So I've been very fortunate here at Illinois because of the open communication that we've had that I'm a part of every game day management meeting. Um, you feel like you're part of the athletic staff and they treat you that way. Betsy McCann is the second year director of the Minnesota Marching Band. She had prior experience working in the program, but also at a diverse array of high schools in suburban and rural settings, some with competitive and non-competitive marching bands. She agrees with Hauser that there needs to be communication and organization for a successful relationship with an athletic department. You know, in the high schools, you'll have your athletics director, and maybe there's an assistant there, and it's a small team kind of running everything. Whereas at the college level, it's a giant operation where there's multiple departments for everything surrounding athletics. And to do anything as a band, if you want to do things right and get everybody who should be involved, involved. It's a lot of outreach and a lot of, in the beginning, figuring out who should be part of the thing they go to. The plus side of that is there are awesome resources and a lot of potential there because it's such a huge machine. One goal I had was to have our band do more outreach and kind of provide more to the state and to the high school students in the state. One thing we were able to start this year was bring back our high school band day which we had not done for a couple decades just because of some logistical things. Um, but I partnered with mainly athletics marketing, but it was athletics administration and operations and security and just, you know, a huge list of people in athletics who were completely game for this. They said, this sounds awesome. How can we work with you? And athletics actually took on a large amount of the administration of bringing this high school band day back, which made it possible for us to do it because it wasn't a project that I had completely on my shoulders. So that was pretty cool to be able to partner with them and make a great, great 
great first run in it this year. McCann's football team, the Minnesota Golden Gophers, hired head coach P.J. Fleck following the 2016 season. She made sure to sit down with him in the spring to plan for the future. So when P.J. Fleck came on board, I got on his calendar for last spring just to have a meeting and say, hi, you know, this is who I am, this is our program, and just get that introduction happening and talk about some of the goals that we had moving forward. I really wanted the band and the football team to have a little bit more cohesion and more of a relationship and not be as separate as they had been in the past. And he was all about that. So it was great to have a conversation and say, how can the band support you? What do you want? You know, are there tunes you want us to play in the band? Are there things you want us to do? How can we be there for you? And then I had some ideas as well. You know, we want to do this row the boat show. Are you cool with that? Can you do a little video for us for this? Can you come to this event for the students? And we were able to really set up right away last spring a relationship where he knows that we're there for us. I know that he's there for the band, or sorry, we're there for him. Uh, he knows that the band is there. I know that he's there for us as well, and we can really work together on things. So starting off on that foot, I think, was great. While we're on the topic of McCann, she is the first woman to be director of a Big Ten marching band. However, she doesn't feel like she has been treated any differently. I honestly have not faced challenges in Minnesota. I've been completely embraced by our community here, our athletics community, um, my administrative community. It's been great. I was a student here, I did my undergrad at Minnesota, and my mentors were obviously completely encouraging of me going down this path and going into the field, and that's kind of the vibe that's here, which is spectacular. I've definitely run into annoying things, like when we've been traveling on bull trips and where people don't know who I am um, and assume that I, I can't possibly be the director of the band, you know, that kind of a thing. But I don't, I don't feel like I've had issues being a woman in the field where I'm at. It's been a great experience, and I feel that my working relationship with everybody has been no different than it probably would be. This next month for the University of Illinois bands is packed full of excitement as we end our semester. By the time you are listening to this, the Marching Illini will either be going on or have finished a road trip to perform at the Ohio State University during a game between Illinois and Ohio State. And the following weekend on November 25th, the Marching Illini will close their season with a home game against Northwestern at Historic Memorial Stadium, and the final show will be the senior show. On Sunday, December 3rd at 3 p.m., the Wind Orchestra and Hinesley Symphonic Band will present a concert in memory of David Maslanka, which will include his works Mother Earth, Heart Songs, and Traveler. Two days later, on Tuesday, December 5th at 7.30 p.m., the University Band will present its only concert for the semester. The final concert of the semester for Illinois bands, featuring the Illinois Wind Symphony, is on Friday, December 8th at 7.30 p.m. The program consists of Del Joyo's Variants on a Medieval Tune, Concerto for Winds and Percussion by Lindbergh, Commando March by Samuel Barber, Hans Le Ball de Beatrice d'Est, and Wasso Exotique by Messian, with piano soloist Rochelle Senet. Illinois Bands now live streams all of their concerts. You can watch these live streams by liking us on Facebook and watching there, or by going to the Illinois Bands website at bands.illinois.edu. The stream will appear on our front page just before the concert begins. Please remember that the displayed times are in Central Standard Time. And now back to Stephen Cohen's story on athletics and band. So 
back to the story, sometimes, according to Hauser, communication isn't enough, and it takes a band trying something new to earn the respect of an athletic department. Um, when I first arrived at um, the high school that I taught in Indiana, the band was seated in the end zone, um, far away from the rest of the crowd, and we had a really good football team. They would typically just sit there in the end zone and would wait for halftime. Uh, so when I first got there, coming from the SEC and being a part of the Florida culture, the band was very much a part of that culture. So I wanted to do the same thing for my high school students. So we moved the band into the stands, uh, you know, fairly close to the 50-yard line, and uh, the team scored a touchdown. We played the fight song, and it was amazing how the crowd responded, and the football coach of 20 years, who's in the Indiana Football Hall of Fame, turned around and gave me this glare, and I thought, oh gosh, what did I do? And it was because he said that was the first time that he really heard the marching band. And um, from there on out, we had a tremendous relationship because he knew that we were there to help support the football team. On the flip side, Whitman feels as if it is his job to make sure the band feels appreciated all of the time. Uh, I, I think it's, it's um, developing a strong partnership with, with the director and then trying to be visible with the band. And so I always make a point of, like you said, trying to come to talk to them at the beginning of the year, but then also uh, trying to acknowledge them, whether it's during a football game, sometimes it's a little easier during basketball games to uh, get down and, and make sure I say hello if we're on the road at the Big Ten tournament. I always want to thank them for being there. I, I've watched them uh, play up in, in Chicago uh, at outside in the park. I mean, it's just really cool to see them pop up in different places and, and wherever our paths intersect. I want to be sure that they know how appreciative I am of the effort and uh, and how grateful we are for their uh, their involvement with our program. Really makes our guys and gals feel uh, at home, feel like they're supported. Uh, think about a, a women's basketball tournament. Sometimes there there aren't a lot of people in the stands, and so to have a pocket of of uh, band members there really does make a big difference. And so it's it, it it does matter. And when you come back to the hotel, and sometimes the band's there inside the door, greeting people as they come in, and I mean just stuff like that really resonates uh, with our players, with our coaches, with our fans, alumni, uh, it, it makes an incredible difference. And Whitman's efforts have not gone unnoticed. According to senior trombone player in the Marching Illini and Fighting Illini Athletic Bands, Quentin Breach. I actually had the opportunity with a couple other uh, band members to run with Josh Whitman, the director of athletics and he uh, we I think it was 6:30 in the morning and we would we ran for nearly five miles and we had actually discussed a couple things about what the band does on game day we even ran past the band building and he had gave a salute to Harding band building that's actually what he said too so it was kind of cool that he knew the title and you know through the tournaments that I've been at uh, where it be Chicago Indianapolis or DC last year Josh Whitman actually takes an effort at each tournament to come past the band and take a photo, give a photo opportunity for the students. And just being able to have that kind of relationship with the athletic director has been a blessing in itself, just being around in their presence, let alone having a conversation of like, how's athletics doing and you know how he's doing in his own life and being able to get that personal has been that uh, also 
a really cool experience being here at Illinois. Although Illinois Athletics has had an overall disappointing four years in Breach's time as an undergrad, a strong relationship between the athletic department and the band program has given him the opportunity to have an excellent experience. Yeah, and that, like, who doesn't think of those situations just trying to be in that, you know, that realm of things like, oh, if I went to, you know, Alabama and they've been to, you know, I think... It's been, say if they go this year, that's the third national title that they've been to in my four years at Illinois or something like that. And then you have, you know, Duke, the Blue Bloods of Kentucky, everything like that. And they, you know, haven't missed the tournament in like 40 years, something like that. Um, I look past it because, and that's what helps with the whole being in band thing as well, is because even though, yes, I've only gone to one bowl game, the Heart of Dallas Bowl in 2014, and even though I haven't been to any NCAA tournaments, I got to experience the NIT this year, which was fantastic. It may have changed if we had gone to those places and the hype may have been more substantial than what it has been. But the relationships I've made with the band and, you know, with the student athletes that I've been able to um, talk to over the past couple of years, that comes second to none with whatever has happened. One more time. I'm Stephen Cohn. We will be expanding upon just using band directors for our two-minute rehearsal techniques segment, and we will include some Illinois School of Music faculty. We think they will offer an interesting perspective on rehearsal techniques, both from the perspective of a conductor and as a player. This month, we have Bernard Scully, professor of horn at the University of Illinois, and a member of the Canadian Brass to provide our two minutes of rehearsal technique. Professor Scully is incredibly in demand as a performer, so we arranged to do this recording while he was on the road. So please forgive the quality at times, but we know you will enjoy all of the information. Most of the initial rehearsal problems deal with uh, basic misunderstandings of the music for instance, like hearing the pitches or being able to process the rhythms, things like that. So I find the very best thing to do right away, and we do this all the time in the Canadian Brass and uh, Master Classes. I do it in my solo Master Classes too, if people are working on solos, is have people sing their parts. And if it's a group of people, have them sing it in harmony. So what this does, then it, it makes them, either they can do it, and it sharpens their sense of what they're doing, or if they can't do it, it lets them know that they have to probably consider more oral skills training or, or learn it more in depth because if you can't sing your part likely you're going to have a lot of difficulties playing it so um, that's the first thing and sometimes with rhythm just simply having people clap the rhythm away uh, getting away from the instrument all together and individually uh, this can just happen in a matter of minutes and you'd be amazed if you'd even seen how fast this solves issues uh, so really just getting away from the instrument put the instrument down focusing on the actual musical skill and um, allowing everybody to kind of see where they're at, where the ships fall, so to speak, in regards to all that. Oftentimes we focus so much on the craft of playing and we kind of forget that sometimes. Um, brass players, you know, definitely, and even wooden players, you know, we're having to create the sound. We, we're doing everything. It's also one of those things that someone's personal practice that um, 
can really help them. And in my personal practice, this is a technique I do almost systematically. November 28th is Giving Tuesday across the nation. Illinois Bands is looking to you for your support. Our generous donors have helped make many new things possible this year. With their assistance, we've been able to purchase equipment to begin live streaming our concerts, build the Marching Illini Instructional Tower, and put together the podcast you are listening to now. Two drum majors from the Marching Illini, Cameron Wysocki and Salma Kamrudin, called in to tell you how you can help Illinois Bands on Giving Tuesday. Today is a huge travel day for Thanksgiving. Many of you may be listening to this in the airport or driving somewhere in the car. At the beginning of each school year, many students from around the country travel to Champaign-Urbana to come to the University of Illinois. Did you know that some of these students even wait to send in their acceptance letters until they know that they have the opportunity to perform with the Marching Illini? This is in part due to our celebrated tradition. The MI is often called the nation's premier marching band, and each year, every member of the MI works very hard to maintain and uphold the traditions that earned us that name. But to continue to do this, we need your help. Over the past few years, Illinois Bands has made tremendous efforts, with the help of donors, to unify the visual qualities of the Marching Illini through the purchase of silver instruments. Though the entire brass section is complete, the only remaining section is the saxophone. With your support, we can achieve our goal of having a unified appearance for the ensemble. As a former MI saxophone player, I know having these instruments would make a huge difference, not only to the section, but to the whole ensemble. As the musical ambassadors for the University of Illinois, we strive to put our best foot forward at each performance, and with your assistance, we can do an even better job. We hope on Tuesday, November 28th, you will go to bands.illinois.edu and click on the Giving tab. Please give whatever amount you feel comfortable giving and show your loyalty on Giving Tuesday. Thank you. We want to thank you for listening to One More Time this month. And to close this episode, we will give you a quick rehearsal peek into athletic bands. As the marching season ends, basketball season is ramping up. And what you are about to hear is a rehearsal of The Walker, written by Fitz and the Tantrums and arranged by Ward Miller. The group is the combined men's and women's basketball bands. And the director in this recording is Professor Barry L. Hauser, the director of athletic bands.
please consider following us on iTunes to make sure you don't miss anything if you enjoyed today's show. If you want to stay current with Illinois bands between episodes, follow us on Facebook or join us on Instagram at Illinois underscore bands. Find us on Twitter at Illinois Bands. And of course, watch us on Snapchat at Illinois underscore bands. You can always check out our website for more information www.bands.illinois.edu. The executive producer of today's show is Sean Smith. The producers are Stephen Cohen, Christian Arkin, and Mary Allison Mahajan. The editing and mixing, recording of the interviews, and various other tasks were completed by Sam Litt and Zia Fox. Of course, none of this would be possible without the Illinois Bands faculty. Stephen Peterson, Director of Bands, Linda Morehouse, Senior Associate Director of Bands, Beth Peterson, Associate Director of Bands, and Barry Hauser, Associate Director of Bands and Director of Athletic Bands. Illinois Bands is part of the School of Music at the University of Illinois and a College of Fine and Applied Arts. I'm Daniel Dresser, and I was your host today. We hope you join us next month here on One More Time. (laughs) 